Welcome to Twinted Podcast. Today's discussion, your idea sucks. Let's get into it. That was the first time like any of us ever heard that phrase, your idea sucks. For me, I think uh, back at, we've had instances where people just sit down and then, I don't know, they just dream of something and they feel like, oh, we need to build this. Yeah. That's why it's really got started. Only for you to go meet someone and then it's like, no, everything is sticking about it. doesn't listen. And sometimes it can be heartbreaking when someone told you that your, your idea will not make it out of the world. Well, I think that the heartbreaking part is you formulate the words and how it's going to be in your brain. When you start to communicate today, realize that no, this is actually not going to work. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes that happens as well. Yeah. But what, what, what actually makes an idea garbage? Like, well, anything about right. How would you say this doesn't make sense? Right. Yes. Step, right. If it cuts. How do we measure success? Yeah, I measure success because it solves somebody's problem. Yeah. And then a person is willing to pay for it. Basically. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think I would for somebody willing to pay for it. But because at the end of the day, I mean, so somebody can say, if I'm not building it to make money, money. But you need to your money making. But you know, someone can like be willing to pay for something, but maybe you don't have enough of an audience or you don't have enough clientele to sustain that business. I think to some extent that also makes the idea suck. Whether it's recurring or not. Yeah. You know, like maybe you find only one person who is a bid, but no other person you to pay. Is that a marketing problem or is that because the idea sucks? I think I'll tie it to value. However, which party, whether you see the, whether how you're seeing the value is how the, person who is experiencing whatever problem is seeing the value that's where that that's when they'll put money on it or they'll tell you pursue it or explore this angle or, or not and so i i think the underlying question is how do you really really define the value that you're offering and do they agree with you on the value that you say you're offering sure the perception of why we yes but maybe we should take it back to me. how then do people find ideas I mean, we've talked about different reasons why we think an idea is not a good idea and it sucks. But I think we should also talk about how then people find good ideas or ideas worth solving or problems worth solving. I mean, I think normally it stems from frustration, right? Mm-hmm. Frustration and a particular experience. And then from that familiar perspective, you're thinking about, oh, I just want to do this. Are other people going to do this? Can we solve this? And then that general curiosity or that general space of can this be better sometimes can lead to the next step of whether deciding whether the business is viable or not. Because there's a lot of problems that if solved will be better. But then the question is, like Brad was saying, is, is someone ready to pay for that? Yeah. You know, I was with I was at this meeting the other day, and this lady who is this like deal investor and deal scout was talking about how she wishes there was a manual for diasporians who are coming back and then I think easily get into business and and you know people were like she's like oh why why didn't the government do it why is it there and everybody's like well this is done now if you want to do something or if you want something to change you gotta lead that operation yourself but then the next question is if she does spend her time and energy is would there be enough of a demand for, for that particular idea. It sounds good. A Rolodex sounds good. But then someone can easily drop it for free on their website and just use it as a way to bring in traffic. Yeah. So does it make sense to really monetize something like that? How do you really validate that? Or like, 
basic fixed intended like the market you're trying to penetrate either the graphically or demographically is it worth the effort because if it is not something that like resonates with the people you are targeting that that also may not make sense because yeah literally i could i can get it free so why would i want to pay for it okay then that's the same thing in other markets but be worth paying for like in some other markets, it's not well known where when we do what like somebody. So you really need to know where you're selling at your target audience and where you're pushing. But do people always pursue ideas because they want to make money? That's a very interesting. And in the build business is primarily to make money. Well, not it. But some people also build, in fact, music hospitals because they just want to help people. But of course, you have to keep the light on. Yeah. But even if you want to build a business that is not taking money. You, you need money to keep the business running. You need money to pay the staff. You need money to keep the light on. You need money to even fold your car to come to office every day. Like, you need something to give you a reason to wake up. I mean, you didn't pay the staff. Those who work in it. Yeah, I mean, I feel like maybe it depends also the generation that it wants to do business because obviously with more younger people, you hear this idea of impact and wanting to make things better. Because even when I hear some of my own family members wanting to start ideas, yeah, there's a money element to it, but I think sometimes it sounds cool in their heads. There's this, not even maybe not even impact, but maybe it's social clouds that derives from doing, uh, opening up a, 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 a milkshake bar or a, a, a pub on the side or opening up a club. When people tell me this type of ideas, I always wonder, is that coming from a police of, oh, we want to do this because we want to make money or because you feel like you'll get a name and you feel like, it will improve your popularity because I think even opening up a club in Ghana is probably one of the worst ideas you can do. Well, to be honest, okay. But like you see, I think it's it's easy for someone to think it's a great idea because you see other clubs yeah. seemingly doing well, and so I think the thing that people always have to remember is just because you see someone doing well doesn't mean that you will also do well. So yes, conceptualize the idea in your mind, but somehow find a way to actually speak to people. And then think about even, okay, I have this really awesome idea. Uh, where do I want to start? And who are the people that I want to even target? And well, where do those people live? And what are their lifestyles? So that they know, like with this club idea that someone is also thinking, oh, someone starts at the club and is doing so well, I can do the same thing. But maybe where you want to build the club is actually very wrong. Well, I think these are things that you have to think about. Yeah, a lot of clubs were opened up and shut down the same year. And a lot of right. restaurants also opened up and shut down, down the same year. I like the fact that we are talking about this because I feel like a lot of people also sometimes do not pursue their ideas because they feel like somebody has done it already. And I think that in executing your idea, whether or not it will work, sometimes turns out to be the things that become great or you pick a lesson from it and it becomes a foundation for you to do something better. Well, so execution always is also one of the reasons why you stand out out of the others who didn't or didn't do it. And if you just keep the idea in your head or write some paper and you don't really break it down as though you were going to execute it, you never see the fruition of the idea as well. Yeah. Uh, that's to support to what you're saying. You see, if you look at Apple, there are so many... Uh, and devices out there like gadgets, smartphones and all of those things out there when they were also penetrating. But the level of execution they put in the perfectionism, like making sure that everything is perfect to the last dot. So that's the only thing that sets them apart and they become almost like a prime product to go for. 
So execution, I agree with you totally. Execution is an interesting part that if you are able to tackle it well, you set yourself apart from yeah. the people who are already there in the market. Yeah. And I think it also goes back to understanding the market because even though a lot of restaurants and clubs shut down, there was a few who opened up this year and did very well from my perception or when I experienced. There's one, um, I think it was what, 80-20. And even though there's a whole bunch of burger spots there, open this burger, that burger, they looked at the market, I thought, and th thought about, okay, how do we stand out? Most burger spots close yeah. at 10. They were 24 a.m. Yeah. And so for a time like December where everybody's up till 5 a.m., 6 a.m., 7 a.m., and you're looking for somewhere to eat, apart from the sweetest spot that you might get, you have a valid open location where you know you can always get burger and fries. Yeah. And I think because of that, they immediately stood out. And you see, once someone patronizes you, and you were there for them in a sore spot when they're looking for something, you build loyalty and now they come back, yeah. right? Even though they might be burger spot down the block, you will still choose what you were patronized from. So yeah, I think it's also really understanding the market and figuring out how you stand out. And the only way to do that is really going in new share. Yeah. So basically we should figure out what the gaps are in the market yes. and exploit that to our advantage. Yeah, I remember some years ago, you know, getting a watch it was so difficult. Mm -hmm. If it's not the more early morning time. Yeah, right. now we have so many evening. Now you have so many evenings for watch it. Yeah. Just, no. and, but that wasn't necessarily always there five years ago, six yes, years ago. Yeah, so about finding a need. But I want to ask a, a, a question based on some experience we've had in the past years. You know, there was some time that full stations opened like during the night yeah. um, to serve full to cars. Um, but due to security reasons, their shops started to get attacked um, and they were losing cash or money. So because of that, it stopped majority of the popular cleaning stations from provide. And I, I want to tie this, not to go political, but I think it's important. With a potential candidates who are looking to be president, yeah. are pursuing it and as part of their manifestos to operate a 24-hour sort of economy. What are your thoughts on that creating opportunities for ideas to thrive? Like what he was saying about the burger, being very niche and offering that service. Do you think that that will create a different kind of business opportunity that people will not be afraid to pursue, even though we are in very hard times and people are constantly looking for ways to find money and robbery is not, the rate of robbery is not reducing, even though there's police visibility. I think I, I do agree. I mean, last time I was mentioning something like if somebody could been in a shopping mall, that operates when it just Yes, in the evening. Because a lot of us go to work from 8 a.m. in the evening and it's the evening that we produce that there's less traffic for us to go shopping, but all the shops are open. So I do think if there's a stable 24 hours operation, like a lot of things you forgot. Yeah. A lot of things you forgot. Why yeah. clubs in the night? Don't we, why don't we have people selling in front of clubs or in town in the middle of the night? It costs some. The night market's food always tastes better than the day. Yeah. My climate makes me a little bit controversial. Most of the needs are lazy. I think that's where we need to start from in terms of you somehow have to tune the Ghanaian's mentality to the fact that look now, it's not about working from eight to five because already working from eight to five, like five, you find that some people even don't want to do it. Like by nine or 10, they're already thinking about the fact that look, I'm checked out, I need to go home. 
you find that people say in the government institutions by lunchtime, most of them would have either left or they would have closed. So if you go in seeking for help, no one can give you help. So if you say you want to turn the entire economy into being 24 hours, it seems like a hard task to take looking at how people's behaviors are now. Unless they want to start from, let's say, okay, manufacturing industries, then you can say, okay, then you hire shift workers. In the sense that you have your eight to fives, then you have a different group of employees who are doing your five. I think that's what will work, where we know that, and we even help the traffic situation, where you know that you can only work productively for me three to five hours. So instead of us now jobs offering eight to five, it works. They will break it up and say, okay, now you can do maybe morning shifts, afternoon shifts, evening shifts. But will that then change how people earn money? Yes, I think it will revolutionize the way we earn money and even think about jobs as well, which I think is evolving with the break of social media and people wanting to stay home and just have a few hours, create content, create the things they're excited about, make their money, and then they go back to the chill life a lazy life like you're describing. Well, the question is like, how many operations can you report 24 hours and is there enough demand for it? Yeah. It's one thing when there's a convenience store where you need to buy some water, you need to buy some small food, but like, you're not necessarily wanting to go and fix it, clean your teeth at 3 a.m. No. And so we have to also be intentional about what is staying open, what are maybe necessities. Most probably, Paramount facility necessities, essentials, that's the word. Uh, that would make sense thing. Because even getting water past midnight, if you're not careful, you go to sleep yeah. drinking a spit. The sort of businesses that were run in, the, in that t- time of the day also will differ. You wouldn't have somebody selling orange be selling at midnight. I don't know. <laughs> but maybe a cold pressed cup of juice. Maybe somebody wants to drink it. Right. Do you want to drink it after going up? I don't know. Who knows? Um, but I know that for something like maybe hairdressing, um, just coming from the perspective of a busy mom or yeah, I'm, busy around, busy. I'm right. interested actually. Yeah. You know, yeah. you can all do your hair, your nail. You write that one down. Exactly. Yeah. Get it down. Give us the SAQDs that try to add. These are all like set shifts. Yeah. They were given too many free ideas over. <laughs> <laughs> like she said something interesting about the hairdressing. Like yeah, yeah. there's a salon that's actually they don't it's have to be open in the in the during the day, but like, yeah. in the night. Because it's a traffic from evening. Yes, yeah, because you've got to work. And it's hot as well. You know, yeah. we have a, a women want to go and prepare their hairs for yeah. service or for work ready yes, you know, whatever. Or but we realize that by it's uh, no latest by six unless they are working on your hair for you. But by five, six, they are closed. No. But you realize that there's someone there. So you notice that a lot of people, either you have to find a hard time to go and do it, or you don't do it at, at all. all. But I'll tie it to what David said about the demand. Because I feel like for something like a hairdressing business, yeah. she would really have to incorporate like a booking system yeah. um, to be able to make sure that when she's open within that time, Coach, she would actually have business. Because I don't like the way even in supermarkets, you open your supermarket waiting for people to come uh-huh. and buy items. Sometimes I feel like it's not productive. And, but then I'm also just thinking about, once again, target audience, right? Because let's say you're someone affluent. You can technically get a hairdresser that you like. You have a personal relationship with a hairdresser, and Comfort you can arrange yeah. them for the firm to come to the house. Yeah. yeah. So, are we are we talking about services staying open for the average Ghanaian 
Yes, clean. Yeah. Because if it's for the average guy, then okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Clean, yes, we'll bring you the one-time big cash. Yeah. But you went, you constantly need the money flows. Yes. Yeah, something that cannot be moved around. Yeah. And it, uh, to see me, but something that come over, maybe some gas or you know, yeah. stuff, you, you have to move there. It doesn't matter who you are. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I mean, I was so glad you don't know the reason why fuel stations at all. Mm, it, I, I don't remember. I, 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 I would be, I can't be corrected. Yeah, but, uh, I don't remember the years, but it was because there was a lot of robberies. The security just wasn't in that house. I want to talk about how innovation plays in, into this. And David, yeah. you can help me with this. I know outside the country, they don't actually have a full attendance at the full stand. You swipe your card and then you can have the full. So because of that, you're not tied to a human resource. Do you think if we had that sort of innovation at our full stations, it doesn't have to be all the full pumps. Location. Maybe there's one particular pump that from maybe 9 p.m. to to 6 a.m., you can only buy full using a Visa card mm. or Momo, you know, so that in that instance, you're the only one putting yourself at risk. And the business is not necessarily. Yeah, I mean, if you're close, the pump are still there. Exactly. Yeah, yeah so at the end of the exactly. day, but I don't know how it's that, operating. You know, you're that, I think, no, it's, it's spot on. I mean, ideally, when you're doing a self service um, refuel, we're paying with card. No, yeah. you're not giving cash to anybody. I mean, at times, depending on where the location is, there might be a cleric in the convenience store next to the gas station. But even in the cases where it's not, you would just simply put your card there to pull your gas in and pull your wheel. I mean, we've proven that in, in, on ATLs, right? Yeah. It's on Yeah. We still have active transport. Exactly. So I don't know why that is does not apply to other business. They're all like connected to Yeah, yeah. Well, when I was in university at some point, they are not there. They are vending machines, right? Um, but, they, but they couldn't put them in everywhere. In there to be put up places that nobody comes. Sorry, the old man, this machine. I was open 24 7. You needed some biscuits, some cookies. You just come put in the money. Press the number, it brings it out, and then you're gone. But I don't know. I feel like this is a very. We're talking about two things. Yes. One, looking at gaps within the marketplace where new business or aspiring business people can come in. Yeah. The 24 hour angle for select businesses. And then the other element is a self service component. Yeah. And, and, I also, and I also like the fact that, you know, we're talking about practical businesses in the space that are relevant to where we are as a society and economy, right? Like, they hit the nighttime hand sound. I think that would do very, very well. Yeah, yeah, it's an idea. Very, very, very. I think will really network. I would even encourage our listeners to really think about these two spaces. What could work in the nighttime that's available during the day, what? and what value could you bring also offering a self-service component yeah. where you're not put at risk? And I want to add to what you said about when you're thinking of ideas as well. You also want to think of an idea where. It's a one-stop shop where people can get a lot of things. So for example, using the full station, you can buy gas, you can buy groceries, you can get your tire fixed, you can get an ATM machine. When you're thinking of ideas, you need to think of things that complement each other, that one person can engage in your service or your product or whatever, whatever you're offering can also get other complementary things to it. Increase the value that you're giving. Right, but then, but just to play devil's advocate, depending on the industry or at least the service, sometimes when you go to a restaurant where they're supposed to be known for pizza, 
but then they're selling a white chick. <laughs> it kind of, which is very common here. Uh, is you know, oh it, it, okay. you don't, you also don't become a specialist. Yeah. And when people are making the decision for a particular you zine, you don't pop up. Yeah, don't. yeah. So I think it also we have to be very intentional about what industry you in a one stop shop. Like yeah. the gas station model, it makes sense because from what I hear, gas stations in the U.S. don't actually make money from the gas, but they make their they break bread from the convenience store and all the little amenities from filling their yeah. Your tire, et cetera, and whatever. So you also have to be mindful of what actually is your business model. Are you, you know, the guys is bringing in the traffic, but then when they buy that piece of candy, they get some vision that they don't, you know. So we also have to. But I, I, I want those be a devil's advocate. The devil's advocate, you just love. <laughs> you know, these e-commerce websites that want to sell everything, yeah. anything, and it takes forever for them to deliver. Mm. Do you think that for websites or software businesses um it, it helps when you are an all like you sell you sell clothes you sell food you sell shoes you sell baby stuff and you're not really niche do you think that really works for something like in the software so you think that like a software that's like a god app yes yeah, like you know like a lot of people are but wanted to be god apps and have everything and then you 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 suck on everything like you're not able to deliver it. Sometimes what can happen is maybe you become more or less like a facilitator. So let's say for instance, Gigi. We are aware that Gigi has established themselves as a classified platform. Yes. So then it makes sense that they are the jack of all trades. Yeah. But they're talking about the ones that is like, um, like a Google Docs, yeah, Google Sheets, Google. My my know that about those. They want you try to do everything it does. You, you, you can either, but I think that why people are thinking of why did you see in a particular thing that you don't appear that yes. yeah, but I think I've got a point where if you're going to Alibaba or AliExpress, you are not many thinking about what quality yes. is. Yes, companies that do a lot, but if you are looking for a microphone or a sticker, you're going to go on niche, yes, yes. Or I think maybe sometimes what people think about when they're thinking about God apps is they think about WeChat. Yeah, but the yeah. thing is, everybody knows that WeChat is primarily a chat That's platform. Yeah. And then everything else that is on there is an augmentation of their service. But it's different if you see um, a God app. We can't be one name. No, you see, you can't be known for something. You can't be known where you are. Yes. Like, let's say if, you see, if you see you want to be a food, a food service. Yes. And then you decide that, okay, along the way, you want to add other services. Somehow, those services need to be a complement of the food. But know that you are adding services that have nothing to do with the food. So in the end, it's like, okay. Value-add service. Yes. So your services should need to be value-added and not just random um, yeah. services. Like, you can't say, I'm a food app. And then in your food app, I can come and buy ECG credit. Yeah. And then in the same food app, I can come and pay my Ghana water bill. And then in the same food app, I can request for something else. So it's like, what are you? Right. Who are you? If I had to, th if I, if your name came up and somebody asked, what is this business? Who are you? Maybe most of the time, people lean into that God app space just because of maybe they think they'll make more money. But then never really plays out, doesn't really work out. You know, because that whole God app, that, you know, the monolith like Amazon or that. And logistics is just so complex. And if you don't have the resources to back it, mm. you're going to flop. Yeah. And yeah, it's the first down to that. 
Yeah, the sun who has a bookstore, a yeah, book service. Yeah. And sometimes see the logistics around some of these things think about what I Very well on it. But if there's this and all, they are probably see all money in separate, separate units. Yeah. You know, the ones that you are seeing as God, they are separate and this is a thing the same business. The direction and it's heading that unit, operating it as a single unit. Somebody's by you are seeing Amazon as a brand, which is in it with the natural. And I think, honestly, when it comes to e-commerce at least, you know, we're moving away from this general big black buster store yeah. to specialty stores, specific yeah. brand, there's an ethos, there's a story around it. There isn't just, oh, go to Ikea or go to Amazon. Even though it's convenient, people are now going to, oh, I know this particular brand, you know that particular brand. That's what we're moving towards. The other thing is that the way you handle customers, so it's another integral service. Even if you are a god app and you have a very solid customer service, sometimes it can also give you the traction you're looking for. If it is not a god app and it's still your customer service sucks, you will in trouble. So we send a lot and I think it would, be, it would be nice to put salient points so that our audience has something that they can guide. The very first thing you can talk about, what problems have you experienced yourself or you know others that have, like, they've gone through it and then explore those challenges and then see where you could probably start from in terms of what is worth solving. Right. I know if you're struggling to do something now or buy something somewhere and the, you say, yeah, that's a, that's a problem that a lot more people now experience and they're all willing to exchange something for not value that they need to be ending that direction. Yeah. So you can also think about maybe there's always been a country that you wanted to do something in. And so you can start with, okay, this country that I'm thinking about, what industries are in there that I'm interested in that has captivated your interest and or aligns with some passion that you have? And then explore what are the potential problems in that industry? What opportunities are there? And then again, break that down. No, I feel like this just all the guidance of thoughts, right? Because if you, you are looking at everything, like David might say, if, if you zero in the like industry and then you go down again in country, and that's a rather guiding and talks towards a particular new space that you can explore the world. Yeah. Most, most importantly, you also need to really think about the transaction points for that value that you're looking to offer. Right. Is there any space where you can, you know, demand an exchange of value for the service you're providing? Because if you don't, if you're not able to unlock that, then ultimately you don't necessarily have a business. So pay attention to where the transactions are taking place and see how you can put yourself in. And more importantly, when you also are looking into a particular business or problem that you want to solve, you also need to study how it's currently being done. Right? Mm-hmm. Look at the flow of things. There's an already existing formula. Um, even if the industry is still relatively new, there's something similar to it. And so you should always look at the best practices, at least from an industry benchmark perspective, and then build on top of that. I think that's really, really important because, for example, if you could now drive from Poland and then they go to a fuel station to buy fuel, if you explore something similar, you should go that this is how people currently buy fuel. And so you are not building something that is entirely changing the way people hear about the current. Yeah. And, um, yeah. yeah. Changing behavior is very difficult and expensive. And I, I like, I like, just to piggyback on that point, um, identifying where you can bring in innovation. So identifying process gaps or yes. stakeholders that are taking too much money from the business that you can bring in an innovation to reduce the cost or make it more efficient for the customers to 
um, enjoy more of the value that you're offering. Add that one to basically you have to you have to basically engage people and those stakeholders just to get their feedback so that you are not deviating from the norm. So I'm talking for self. Yeah, just going ahead and be a white yeah, and that, that, that's, it. that's a big mistake. You know, it's almost like the designer m- mindset. You know, you design a piece of clothes that you would like, but is it something that the customer will need? But that it is something that the spheres that makes what you start to build your business that it is. You, you are really thinking that this is awesome, that is good. When you buy this. Yeah, so you go out there, get to the markets. Man gets to do you shaking, shaking, shaking. Do you shaking? Anyone to go and see or was when all of them engage them from the one to that the shake will reduce even if you shake it to reduce yeah and i just want to say that it always helps to plan out and write out your idea whether it's on paper or on a board or draw out how you want to execute it so that it's not just you thought about one thing you didn't think thoroughly about the different aspects of it in executing an idea and i think i mean if you are able to follow all the things that we have said your idea won't suck anymore. Yeah. And it's based on our experience. Yes. I think you can also have your own experiences. Share with us on our social media, send us an email, however you want to share how your idea sucked or didn't. Let us know. So thank you guys for listening. This has been 20th Podcast.